Welcome back to Bitch Out of Water, a show about trying things and seeing how the hell it turns out. This week, we're sharing three different things each of us gave a whirl this week because we try to challenge ourselves weekly and try to do different things. And this week, we actually have three different great things. We've got an ESPN debut, hey, a Buddhist retreat, and a return of the X, which is, I haven't even heard this story yet. I haven't heard any of these. I'm, I'm dying to hear what the hell went down. It's story time, bitches. I'm Steph. Hello, Dorina. Hola, hola. Very happy to be here with my ladies on this podcast with these people on the internet and planet Earth. This planet, this beautiful planet Earth. And we got Roxy Stryer, who is in quite a mischievous mood today, which I fucking love when she's in those modes. See, that's the point of life. You just say moo ha 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 until it turns into an actual laugh. Yeah, she's been doing this thing lately where she's been really laughing at her own jokes. And sometimes I didn't even know a joke was said, but she'll be like, ha ha ha. Yeah, I've been like seriously dating myself for the last two years. And I, I'm really growing on me. Like I've gotten funnier. I've gotten quicker, wittier, you know, I'm just the whole package. You're just the modern version of Stuart Smalley from SNL. You know, you're like, I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. And doggone it, people love Roxy Stryer. Yeah, that's exactly it, D. <laughs> Speaking of love, I need to know what the hell happened because all I know is that one of the ghosts of Roxy's past returned on a weekend night out, what the hell happened, Rox? So to the world friends at home, I need to let you guys know how much we love you because my new thing with Dee and Steph is that I don't fill them in on stories about my life until I'm filling you guys at home in so I can get their genuine first reactions. So I have not been able to tell the two of them what went down in detail. So you guys are hearing this for the first time as the first people hearing this. Anybody listening to this, this is the first time it's coming out of my mouth, which means that when I was thinking about how do I even explain how crazy this ish was? So I have to start at the beginning. Let's start at the very beginning. I was dating this guy over a year ago now. So I think that it was in in January of 2021. I started dating this guy. I was set up by a friend of mine and he was really dope. Uh, he uh, was is the key word there. <laughs> I thought he was really dope. It was the first time I was genuinely seeing somebody since my long-term ex-boyfriend that I thought I had potential with. We both experienced extreme loss in our life that bonded us very quickly. And I thought that this, I didn't know that this was going to be my husband. But I thought there was potential for it to turn into something. We were spending a lot of time together and long nights where you're up till eight in the morning, talking, communicating, all of that stuff. I think in, it was a few months in, we had never slept together because you guys know, if you know me, I'm very slow with things, but we had hooked up one night. Something happened where... I went down on him and then he didn't go down on me 
And we got in like a full blown fight about it. DJ Khaled. Yeah. It, it was a really crazy situation where we didn't fight about it that night. I went home and then tried to recount with him what had happened. And whatever it was, he was either really felt like his manhood had been questioned or whatever it was. It ended up being really uncomfortable. And then we didn't speak for like, I don't know, a month or two. And then I reached out to him and was like, that was a really weird way to end things. He asked if we could get coffee. We did. We went and got coffee and we rekindled again. Okay. Which is the first mistake that I made because when there are red flags, what you should do is acknowledge them and then walk the other way. When there are red flags, what I do is see them and then try to stamp my flag next to them. Like, oop, here I live now too. Nice to see you, red flag every day. So I started seeing him again. And this he came over to my place for the first time, which is weird because it had been months and I had always been going over to his place. Granted, he is a lot better off than I am. He lived in this beautiful house. And so it was just nicer to go over there. I live in a little apartment because, you know, times are tough and mama ain't made of money. So he had come over to my place for the first time and he walked into my place and he saw these salt and pepper shakers. And he was like, I got to say, I love your place, but I hate these fucking salt and pepper shakers. Now pause on this part of the story for a second. Rewind. Remember the boyfriend I said that I was dating for six years, uh, the guy that I was dating prior to seeing this guy? That guy had a major drinking problem. Again, another red flag that I ran towards instead of running away from. I ended up making that guy my boyfriend, my potential future husband. Not anymore at the time I thought he was. And I moved in with him. When we moved in together, my great girlfriend bought us these salt and pepper shakers. They were these really expensive, beautiful salt and pepper shakers. And she gifted them to us as a housewarming present. And I came home about a week into having lived with him. And one of the shakers was broken everywhere. Like little pieces of glass shattered, fucked up. And that used to happen all the time because he had a big drinking problem and just would break things. Anybody who knows anybody with a drinking problem, they are clumsy. They drop things. They break things. That was par for the course for us. But I was so sad because my girlfriend had just given us this gift and I wanted her to be able to see us using them. So I tried to glue it all back together. It was not something that was gluable, but I made it work. And we used it for years. When we broke up, I kept using those same salt and pepper shakers because something's wrong with me. So then when I moved out and moved into my own place, I was using those salt and pepper shakers every day. And every time I would use them, I felt like I was going to burst into tears. I hated them, hated them so much. So now this new guy that I'm seeing walks into my apartment and clocks the salt and pepper shakers and says he fucking hates the salt and pepper shakers, which is really weird. They're small. They're in a little corner of my of my kitchen. They wouldn't be something most people would even notice. But he immediately noticed them. And I was like, I know, I hate these salt and pepper shakers too. Actually, my ex-boyfriend shattered them when he was drunk. And every time I use them, I get really sad about it. And so this new guy is like, throw them out. Throw the salt and pepper shakers out. And I was like, nah, I can't throw them out. He's like, why? You don't like them. They don't bring you joy. Throw them out. 
And I'm sitting there grappling with it like, what does it mean to throw these salt and pepper shakers out? My friend got them for me and I just, I don't know. And I'm a little bit of a hoarder and a, and a sentimental bitch. And so I'm sitting there and I was like, fine, fuck it. I'm going to throw them out. So I throw these salt and pepper shakers out and I'm feeling like invigorated. I'm, I'm like, oh my God, this guy got me to move on from my past. This is amazing. Next week he comes to my house to take me on a date. And what does he show up with? These two brand new salt and pepper shakers that are just so beautiful and cute and they're little kissing elephants. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh my God, this is my guy. Like he, he just took this problem. He made me get rid of it and then fixed it and filled in this hole. This is my dude. And then I didn't hear from him for six months. Like just ghosted me. Didn't respond to me. Didn't pick up my phone call. We didn't speak. That was the last thing he did was gift me the salt and pepper shakers. And I was like, what kind of a mind fuck? This man got me to, knew that my ex destroyed these salt and pepper shakers, came into my life, brought me new salt and pepper shakers, and then he walked out and ghosted me. What's wrong with this dude? Like, what is wrong with men in general? But what is wrong with specifically this guy? So I was super effed up over it in the head for a minute. Just thinking like, is this what's out there for me now? What is this going to be like? And then months went by and I ended up seeing him because remember, I told you guys that my friend introduced us. Long story short, he ended up, he hasn't had a new girlfriend. um, And I was just like, okay, this is just somebody that's probably, we're never going to get down to the bottom of what happened here. Fast forward to last week. Last week, I guess him and his girlfriend didn't work out. I'm going out with my our mutual friend. He asks if this guy can come. I was like, sure, no harm, no foul. I don't give a shit if this guy comes. And it was actually really nice because we were very friendly. He was really cool with me. And I could tell the entire time that he was genuinely super not happy with how he had handled the situation. Like he made a couple of different comments to me about, how he just had wronged me and throughout the night he was making some comments and I was really grateful for that because yes you did you really fucked up and you wronged me and I don't care about you like that anymore so as long as we can be cool then it's fine but at the end of the night we both lived near each other so we ended up sharing a car back to our side of town and he ended up trying to hook up with me which was a wild turn of events because this is a man who I was like, if for any point a year ago you had tried to hook up with me, I would have probably come running. But I just am not, I'm not interested anymore. And like, it's just not how my brain works anymore. I think 27-year-old Roxy, even maybe 30-year-old Roxy would have been like, ooh, he wants me back. Let me just go. But I was just like, sorry, I think you got the wrong idea. Super excited to be your friend now, just not interested in getting involved in whatever messy stuff is going on with you right now. And I felt so good about it, not because of any way that I made him feel, because that part actually I feel kind of bad about. I think it's really hard to put yourself out there, but because I'm not who I was a year ago. I'm not who I was two years ago. I want to find my partner, but more than wanting to find my partner, I want peace And he isn't peace. And then therefore he's not my person. And so I was so 
happy with the whole situation. And then he sent me a really beautiful text message the next day that was like, I really appreciated how you handled the situation last night and navigated everything. Like, I uh, look forward to being friendly with you and sent me like a funny gif or meme kind of situation. And I was like, this person can now be my friend. It's not going to be awkward when I see them. But he's also not my life partner. And I made that very clear to not just him, but more importantly to myself. You made that decision. Yes. Which was awesome because we don't always get the choice to make the decision for ourselves. And I needed that. I needed that moment. Roxy. Yeah. I'm very happy for you that you have come to a moment and place in your life where you're like, I'm not wasting my time with BS anymore because that's what happens at this age. However, I have a question. Does this man still not eat pussy? No, I think he does eat pussy. And I think he always ate pussy. I don't know from personal experience, but <laughs> it's super duper uh, not, not the point of my story, but is the point of the big story that all men should eat pussy if, they, if they're getting their dick sucked by a woman. Not all men should eat pussy because we love the gays, but all men who are with women should eat pussy but do you feel like is that something that you can now communicate to this person who it now could be you were friendly with and be like maybe you should consider this for the future if you want to find a good life partner for yourself i did communicate that with him when we were seeing each other i can't believe that i just poured my heart out to you guys and darina's response is can you get this guy to start eating pussy <laughs> like this is this is what this show is i'm just so concerned i know like we want to help the world and the only thing we can do to help the world in this moment is to ensure that whoever he's with next he goes down on them i understand i get it yeah rocks just gave like this great like isn't that great i am not the same person i was a few years ago i'm better i'm like the best i've been what and d's like but he doesn't eat pussy like what no but rocks i've been dying to hear this story y'all because our mutual friend sent me a photo that night of she randomly ran into Roxy and there's a random guy in the background come to find out it's this guy. And then for a week I've been sitting on this and being like, what the fuck happened? Now I finally got it. And I love that because it's true that so many of our exes we don't have any closure with and we don't have any like answers that get answered and you and I rock specifically this has been the year of confusion with men totally like we're so sick of being confused with men so when when you did talk to him that night was there any like were you able to ask any of those questions or was it more that you just like were able to know that you didn't like him anymore so it's so wild that hindsight is 2020 because I feel like there was a lot of things that I could have asked him, but they didn't matter to me anymore. The only things that I wanted to get across were that I was no longer interested. And he had asked me what happened was he looked at me and said, are you okay if I kiss you right now? Which I appreciate somebody asking me that. I've told you guys that before. And I said to him, I'm actually not in that place anymore. Thank you for being vulnerable with me. And I appreciate you asking me that. That's not something I would be comfortable with. And it's not what I'm looking for now. And he kind of, I think, was left with more questions than I was, which was kind of along the lines of how come, you know, not like trying to coerce me, but just like, oh, are you not? And 
are you not interested anymore? And I was just like, based on being with you for the night, it feels like you have not made many changes in your life. It sounds like things went down really poorly with your ex as well. And I'm not judging you in any way, shape or form, but I, I think that you are in the same place that you were when we were dating and I'm no longer in that place. And, and I hope that for your sake, because it seems like things are really messy around you and very tumultuous, I hope that you are able to find uh, a path that doesn't feel so, feel so tumultuous for you. And I just am not willing to be a part of whatever that journey is. And he was like, that makes perfect sense. Because uh, what I had said was spot on. You know, he's still exactly who he was two years ago and I'm not. I think that's really cool that he was cool about it and actually texted you the next day. And look, if there's boys out there, and I know there are because I'm with two lovely men and they're actually taking advice and listening to what a woman has to say uh, about her experience with them, I think that's fantastic. So you are doing future ladies a favor there, Roxy, while also closing this confusion of you of you guys that you talk that you and Steph are talking about because it's true these ladies come to me with these insane stories and it's kind of like you could write a sitcom out of it honestly out of Steph and Roxy's dating life so it's nice to hear that you actually were able to go back and kind of in time and be like yo we're new we're we're different people now which is what happens and we're on different levels and so i'm just showing you that i don't need to waste your time and you don't need to waste mine and let's be mature about it and let's just be friendly i wish that all interactions love interactions would go this way i do too of course part of me is like it is a bummer that things didn't work out with this person that i do think i had a lot of potential with but I'm really learning in life. People tell you this from a young age. There's no way to learn it until you do that. You can't fall for people's potential. It just is. It doesn't work like that because you, you don't know. Potential does not always perform. You don't always get there. Totally. And the takeaways that I love hearing from this story, like as a fellow single person and like someone who questions what has happened with past people in my life is like, we always are like, I want to know, I want to ask these questions. I want to get these answers. And you had the opportunity to get the answers. And when you did in that moment, it didn't matter. It didn't matter. That was the craziest part stuff. And that's like, so cool to be like, I think all of us can be like, let us rest a little bit. Like our questions, even if we had the opportunity, don't really matter. And what you're saying, like, don't fall in love with potential. I know that there was also a lot of not coincidences, but there was things that really tied you together. Like your mom had passed. He had a family member who had passed and like understanding you on that level. And there was like a few other connections that make you feel really connected to someone. And that's still not even enough. I remember... The way that Darina, when I said, oh, I ended up seeing this guy again, she said to me, the grapes guy, because <laughs> there was this wild story about how he bought grapes because he knew my favorite grapes were red grapes and my sister's favorite grapes were green grapes. And so he wanted me to feel at home at his place. So we bought both red and green for me and for like, as if my sister was there. It was just this really adorable moment. And those are the kind of things that I held on to that he was so sweet, so thoughtful, the elephant situation, the grape situation, the passing of both of our family members. But I do think that we put way too much weight sometimes on these things that are not actually who somebody is. It's not actually who they are. It's 
things that take them five seconds that then you end up thinking mean the world. And it's like, no, what happened was he went to Amazon.com. He typed in salt and pepper shakers. He sent them to his house for, I'm sure, a total of $15 and he brought them there. Now, was that very thoughtful? Yes. But does that mean that I should make somebody my husband? No. And sometimes in those moments, I'm like, wow, it's a sign. And it's like a sign from who, bitch? From Amazon, God? Like Uh that from your brain yeah it's a sign from your brain because these are also things that we're all different in the sense of what we value and roxy's a person who really values acts of service like that's how she gives and shows her love so when somebody does that for her you're literally like casting an enchantment spell (laughs) totally wow straight up and i need to like hide my vagina in those moments and be like rox did this take them more than five minutes Because if not, very likely, it just was a random thing. Yeah. And how are they showing up every day? That was an excellent whirl, my guy. Like you, I'm so glad. I was like, is she going to give the backstory? She's got to give the backstory because you got to understand the whole picture. Yeah, I don't know if it's fully relevant that he didn't go down on me, but I just need to paint a picture (laughs) of who this man was, you know? Yes, some of the fatal flaws. And that was the biggest takeaway from the story we found out. So yeah, it is for me. I'm still I'm still like, look, grapes guy, you got to get on that. You got to get on that if you're listening. I should give you his number. Send an anonymous (laughs) text. You're like, listen, I heard something quite disturbing. Oh, man. Well, (laughs) thanks for sharing. On the complete flip side of that, we're going to go into a spiritual route because I am a practicing Buddhist um, and Darina was able to experience a Buddhist meditation getaway. Like we haven't even gotten to her. We've been like, she's been withholding this information from us too. What what was it? What happened? Why were you even there? Well, uh, I am moving to the East and shaving my head. So I just wanted to announce that here on this podcast. No, look, for those of you that have been listening, y'all know I grew up Catholic. And because of that, as many ex-Catholics, we end up hating religion and eventually become atheists and lose faith and belief in anything, (laughs) which is not good. And so now that I've gotten older, for years now, I've been looking for other types of spirituality and everything from, you know, my witchy full moon uh, meditation that I do and, and things like that just for fun because I think it's just good for an individual to sit with your thoughts and meditate regardless of whether you're Buddhist or not but I've always been interested in Buddhism just in general as to like what they teach like I don't want to subscribe to any religion but I definitely try to take the best of what each religion teaches and Buddhism seems to be very different than what I learned in Catholicism and in Christianity. And it was really cool to go to this specific retreat just for a day, by the way. It was just a a day in Mexico uh, across the border. Thanks to my mom, who all y'all know that I've been trying to kind of repair this relationship with her because we were so close when we were kids and we just drifted away, you know, as adults because of different lifestyles. And so it was cool that she specifically asked, do you want to go on this, even though we haven't talked in a bit? And I'm like, yes, that sounds great. I didn't know you were into meditating. That's fantastic. And so this is a friend of hers who she used to work with back in the day that is a Mexican guy that became Buddhist and now has been writing several books for years. And he's been uh, just teaching Buddhist practice all over Mexico. And basically, as far as I understand, Buddhists don't seek to like evangelize people 
uh, and they don't coerce people into adopting their religion, but they do want to teach what's available or like whatever works for them. And so that's what this man has been doing. And I was like, okay, let's go. Uh, that's fantastic. It's going to be in front of the ocean, beautiful place in Rosarito. But I didn't know what to expect because sometimes these people that are, you know, monks or preachers do end up being a little bit evangelical or like high on their horse. But luckily this man was really cool. Just speaking like a normal human being, just trying to like tell you, yo, this is what's worked for me. This is what's helped me suffer less in my life. And hopefully these teachings I can share with you that are not mine, that are from what he's learned in his uh, Buddhist courses and things like that. Like he was quoting a lot of Thich Nhat Hanh, obviously amazing philosopher Buddhist uh, that's very famous that died this year. And that was just really cool to hear somebody explain the so-called enlightenment that Buddhists learn, especially, you know, going with my parent who has a very different lifestyle than I do, because I ended up kind of growing up, we didn't grow up with much money. And I ended up really despising consumeristic practices and individualistic practices. And like, it was really bizarre to move from Mexico to the US and see what an individualistic society this can be, even though I freaking love Los Angeles and there's lots of community here and I love the people here and they're really working on trying to help the city. It's still in the media, in the US, we see so much of like, ego stuff, right? We see so much of like, this is about you. You're the star. You are the, the protagonist in your movie. And so it was cool to go to something that is teaching us, yo, it's not about you, to quote Dr. Strange, right? It, it's actually unhealthy to think that everything is about you. And it causes more suffering to continue having this egotistical notion that you're like, you know, special. I'm like, we're all special, right? Like that's kind of what I've learned at this age. I'm like, I think we're either all special or none of us are special. But I think that we're all here in the sense that it's miraculous to be alive and existence is wild. So nobody can specifically tell us why you're here or what happens when you die. All we can do is make the best of it. And that's kind of what I've learned from Buddhism in general and reading Thich Nhat Hanh's teachings but the cool thing about this retreat was just hearing this man be like, release the ego. Don't attach yourself to any sort of addiction, whether it is everything from alcoholism all the way to shopping or eating or social media, right? Like anything that you hold on to that is meaningless is usually brings you fake temporary happiness. And so it was, it was just really cool to hear these things being said as like a confirmation, I'm like, okay, I'm kind of okay. I'm in the okay road of the place I am in my life has meaning and in the things that I actually care about and value. It was just nice to be there with my mom and sit there together and listen to people talk about what really matters in life. Because we get so distracted with the bullshit and by bullshit, I mean the daily bullshit from our jobs and having to pay the bills because we need to do that to survive. And all of these things get lost in what really matters in life. And I don't want to waste my life and, you know, 
spend time on shit that doesn't matter or let alone spend energy and time on shit that doesn't matter. I want to just focus on the things that actually do matter, the people in my life, nature, like actually living. And so as much as like I may not become a Buddhist, I still really enjoy listening to the religion's teachings. I think it's a really beautiful way that people live. And it seems way cooler than a lot of the monotheistic religions that seem to talk a lot about like, no, man, you need to suffer. You're a sinner. Imagine raising a kid and being like, you're a sinner and you're going to hell versus, hey, look at this tree. Isn't it pretty? Let's let's meditate together and sit here and watch nature and be respectful and grateful to life and stop suffering and help other people suffering. That's my biggest takeaway. And what I found most beautiful about that day at the Buddhist retreat was that every time we meditated together as a class, when the person that was leading the meditation, they would end on, we are here to serve others. May this meditation, may, may this reflection be for others. We're here to serve everybody else, not just ourselves. So that was like the biggest thing that it was nice to hear these confirmations and also be like, okay, I'm not completely lost, even though the Catholic Church in my community probably calls me a heretic. What did your mom think, dude? She said she loved it, man. Were you guys talking about it and having conversations between meditations and connecting over it? Or was it kind of like two separate experiences simultaneously? We didn't have much time to talk except at lunch because you like cut for a lunch break. But the day basically goes where you have a meditation for like a few minutes. And then after that, this uh, man will talk about the different like teachings in a summary right like he basically like tells you this is what buddhism is and he tells you about uh siddhartha gautama who was the first person to reach the state of enlightenment uh and i guess nowadays he's still known as the buddha so like he'll go through that and then you break for another meditation and then he'll teach you a little bit more so there's not a lot of time to like have community and be able to talk except at lunch but it was funny like after the day was over and we had dinner with my stepdad, she's teaching my stepdad about it. She's telling him, see, all this crap that we do doesn't matter. Do you think that there was at least one lesson or takeaway that you can apply specifically to your relationship with your mom that you spoke about earlier and vice versa for like some of the things that you were kind of wishing of her were any of those teachings that you learn that day, like, were you like, oh, I really hope she's listening to this one right here for the sake of us. I think the Buddhist practices seem to really focus on positive states of mind. So like calm and awareness and concentration. And like, I think that's why a lot of us have had things like panic attacks or anxiety is that we don't really... Uh, we're not taught in our societies how to deal with those emotions and how to breathe <laughs> and just sit there and and not repress those emotions, right? Like I remember growing up with my mom, she would make fun of bumper stickers that said, todo está bien, which means everything's fine. You know, because <laughs> it's like, it's not fine. Life is really fucking hard, right? So it's both healing and a good thing to not repress our emotions and to really listen to what our bodies is saying and, and what our brains are saying and to get rid of all the BS that's being sold to us 
to fill those holes, right? Like the media is telling us you need makeup and you need these clothes and you need all this bullshit to make yourself happy. And I feel like my mom, like a lot of people in the States, my, my mother loves this country uh, so much. And a lot of people really cherish what the country has to teach. And the country, unfortunately, is a hyper-capitalistic consumerist country, right? And I think that's why people here, as much as I love people here and Americans, I think that's why a lot of Americans are lonely and have a lot of anxiety and depression because the way we live isn't normal. So that's where I'm hopeful that, you know, I think she kind of heard that. And, and I think I've been, we've been sharing books. Like I gave her All About Love by Bell Hooks. She gave me the four agreements, the Totec philosophy. And so I think that's like, That's what I'm hopeful is that we're just kind of sharing with each other these like life philosophies that are about healing and helping others, which is a very different way that we grew up being told, you know, Jesus died for your sins and you're going to hell. Why is it that after any of these type of events, whether it's a meditation retreat or a yoga retreat or a seminar like Tony Robbins or any of that kind of thing, do I feel like for 24 hours up until a week, maybe even a month, people's lives are really changed. But then after that, it's like somebody takes a memory eraser and you have no longer is that in your mind or your body. Like, Why do these things come and, and they don't stick? And, and I'm not saying that about you and your mom. I'm just saying in general, like I wish that these are things that we could find out a way to have them stick totally roxy and it's because we don't live that way right practicing these things is literally in the word it's practice like if if i want to specifically sit every day and meditate because i know that if i wake up in the morning and i do a little bit of meditation before i look at my phone and i say gratitude i'm gonna have a much better mental space that day than if i wake up and i'm like oh shit, what's going on you know on twitter or whatever bullshit, right so I think it's just an individual choice. I think you're totally right that so many people will go to these things, but then continue to live the same life that is hindering our happiness because it's easier because that's the way we're accustomed to. We just live wrong. <laughs> like this is, this is not a normal way to live where we are waking up every day stressed out about whether or not we can afford to live and paying bills, right? That's not the way humans were meant to live. Humans were meant to live outside frolicking naked in the woods, right? So I think it's an individual choice. I, I hope that more people, you know, I'm certainly trying, right? I'm, I'm in no ways meditating every day, but I'm certainly doing it way more than when I was younger. And I was full on atheist, like nihilistic, you know, thinking that life was meaningless or that, you know, I changed from uh, we're all going to die, nothing matters to we're all going to die, so don't be a dick. Right. So th th it's really up to the person, I think. So I'm, I'm trying. I hope that other people are trying too. It's totally exactly what you said, Dee, because Rox, you're so right. It's like people get it's easy to go to think that it's a one day fix or a weekend fix and like you're good, like it's going to stay with you forever. But it's like that's just like a starter pack and then you have to do it every day. Like even with me in Buddhism, it's sometimes I'm steer further from the path and you have to remind yourself to realign. So that's really cool that your mom and you are sending books to each other. because I feel like that will fuel that conversation and that connection you had that one day, hopefully 
each week and beyond. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just a matter of doing more things like that with the people you love, right? Versus things that are not great for society, like, or materialistic things, I guess. With you and your mom, what I, like, my takeaway listening to this as your friend is, like, it's dope to see that you guys, instead of, like, focusing on the stuff that you don't get along with right now you did something that you both connected with and then it's like you can foster that the things that you actually connect with and then maybe the things you don't start to dissipate hopefully fingers crossed yeah sometimes common ground is just a mutual experience if you can't find mental common ground or ideal ideological common ground or religious common ground or whatever then sometimes it is just having the same experience and that is enough to start or to do be a fire starter kind of totally i've never heard it like that i made it up stuff brilliant you're a genius man you're freaking genius <laughs> thanks for sharing the uh switching gears now completely because this is what we do we are three of the opposite human beings connecting all the time superstar steph sabra i need top to bottom what (laughs) what what was your weekend dude so uh we it's funny all of us have done an episode that i've kind of been based in the seedling that sprouted this experience so i did an episode about being a d1 athlete i played division one field hockey at uc davis and that was my I graduated in 2015. So I've been away from the sport for a long time. And I, I went far away from the sport because it was a lot for me. And I after college, I realized that I wanted to do what we're doing right now, hosting, connecting with people and living that way. So I just didn't know exactly if or when the sport would ever come back to me. And it's like funny that loves never really die and it does find a way and recently I went to an alumni game because I just got this like feeling that I wanted to be back with it and reconnect on that kind of side of myself so I went to the alumni game and my former coach returned as the head coach there and it was great to see him he was one of the ones that wasn't a nightmare so I was like hell yeah coach A is back I'm pulling up and it was dope like it was great to be back with the team back playing like back with a stick in my hand and that ended up sprouting what happened this weekend because after that weekend I had gotten an email And a few messages from players hearing that two of the games were going to be broadcasted on ESPN this season. So two of the the new team's games were going to be broadcasted. And the coach had asked me if I would color comment on the ESPN game. And I was like, what a wild intersection of my past and present life, you know, being a former athlete and now being an on-air host. And then ESPN, are you fucking insane? So I was like, no way. And I, there was like a lot of back and forth and one of the games got canceled because it's women's sports and that happens from time to time. The stream got canceled. But then I earlier this week got confirmation. He was like, are you still in? It's going to happen. And I was like, hell yeah. And so on Friday morning, I hopped on a plane to SAC 
and gotten Davis. And then at 4 p.m., your girl had her first ever appearance on ESP fucking N. And I was able to color comment on the game. So it was, I've never done any sports broadcasting. And luckily, Roxy's brother is a legend and an excellent sports broadcaster. And she is a legendary friend who, without me asking, asked him for any tips if they might be useful. And then our friend Mark Ellis, a friend of the show, comedian extraordinaire, has also done sports broadcasting. And he gave me some advice, both which proved to be very useful because I don't watch that many sports. So I'm not watching the commentators and I've been away from field hockey for so long. So I was a little bit nervous at first. One of the main pieces of advice that they gave me were like, trust the play-by-play person. They'll throw to you. The day before, the play-by-play person canceled. So I was like really nervous, not knowing what was going to happen. Then come 3 p.m., I show up on the field. There's a play-by-play person. Thank you, Jesus. I was like, oh my God, hell yeah. But this guy was kind of green too. So we had started the game and one of the advice was trust your play-by-play person. They'll set you up. And so I was waiting for him to set me up. And I realized quickly, like 10 minutes into the game, that's, he wasn't going to do that. So one of the ESPN producers was like, Steph, just talk whenever you want. So once I kind of got that go ahead, I was, you could hear it in the game. I think I started to talk more and I got a little bit more comfortable And it's one of those things by the end of it, it was like, I obviously don't think I did perfect. There was uh, room for improvement. I think I did good enough though for the friends and family to be proud of me. And it was like, I, it would be, I, I like, it was so fucking cool. Cause I was like, okay, I get it now. Like if I did this again, I would really get it. And I really, really fucking enjoyed it. It was so fun and like a completely new experience. And they gave me the, one of the producers for ESPN was like, Steph, have you ever done this before? And I was like, no, he's like, you were really, he's like, no way you were great. And I was like, word, let's go. <laughs> so sick, man. Muy bien, mija, muy bien. <laughs> you were freaking awesome. When you think back to our D one sports episode where Steph talked about playing field hockey. I, when I listened back to that episode, I think I asked about 15 times, why did you do this? Like, why did you, why did you put your body through this? Why did you become a D one athlete when you knew you weren't going to play after college? Why would you do this to your college experience and to your body? Like I asked so many times why, and Your answer never was anything really other than I just felt like I had to do it. And I think that's really interesting, Steph, that you had an instinct that you needed to do that. Never really knew definitively why. And that is the thing that made you get on ESPN. It's very weird that you knew you had to do something. And maybe the answer to that was that you didn't have answers at the time, but Doing that made it so that you hosted for ESPN, which is not just arguably, definitively the biggest hosting job that you've had to date because it's a massive company. I mean, when it comes to sports, ESPN is the network. There is no bigger place to host and you hosted for it and you wouldn't have been able to host that had you not played D1 field hockey, period. So that's kind of wild that 
sometimes you don't know why you're doing something, but you know you have to do it. And then maybe one day you'll know why you did do it. And I, I don't know if four years justifies one moment, but that one moment is certainly going to open other doors for you and possibly even like more ESPN stuff because you did annihilate it. And I think that that's kind of wild. Totally, dude. Like when I put my mic, my headset on and I was sitting there watching the game and it's the it was the girls senior game and I just know how special that game is for them and all their family was there. It was like not to compare this moment to my sister having a baby, but if you remember when I told you my sister had a baby, it's very life affirming. That was a very life affirming moment for me to be on the desk like that, calling a game and just being like, wow, like look at life, you know, like I I just like never thought I would be there and it was so out of the blue, but it it felt so incredible. really incredible like it was one of rarely in my life have I had moments where I'm like you did that stuff and that was one of those moments where I was like you fucking did that stuff like damn damn is right because Steph as y'all know I am ESL and so it's very hard for me to not say things like um or like or interject certain things as I'm saying a sentence you did a really good job of sounding like somebody who's done this before. Cause people don't look at you, right? Like we literally just got to hear your voice. And so people are just listening to your voice about a sport that a lot of us know nothing about. And you were very precise in your communication and your sentence structure in the moment live. I was very impressed. Thanks dude. That was definitely one of, cause I didn't know how it was going to go down. So I didn't know exactly what to prepare for. And so I was watching past footage of NCAA championship games and listening to what they were commenting on. But it was like more structured in the sense that there was a play-by-play person running down every single move that was happening. And then there was a person kind of just giving the personality. I would have rather had just to do that. But it was cool, like all of my experience in the past had led to this moment where I was able to pivot and be like, all right, he, I'm going to fill the gaps that he's not doing right now. And luckily he was great too. I just knew I had to kind of shift into this different mode. So uh, I, yeah, Roxy and Darina were texting about me and I felt really special. (laughs) Dude, I was texting the planet about you. D texted about you to me. My brother was texting. Mark Ellis was texting. I I was looking at your friends who are all posting on Instagram about it also. From the second you opened, you're like, my family and friends are watching right now. And I was like, that's me. (laughs) I felt like I got a shout out. Totally. The one thing you didn't do though, Steph. I know. I was just about to say that. So we did an episode and someone's like, you have to throw in Whirl. And there was like five minutes left of the game and it dawned on me. I was like, fuck, how am I going to get Whirl in here? And I like couldn't do it. I needed to just shoehorn it in. Like if I, I should have done the Roxy Stryer way. When Roxy wants to do something, she'll just like wedge that shit in. Just scream it. Just say Whirl. Whirl. (laughs) And then have him say what? And you're like, it means amazing. New hip lingo. Nothing. Yeah, I know. Next time, next time, because hopefully there will be a next time. Uh, we do have a Patreon question that kind of goes with that from the Zen Glenn master himself, Glenn Caesar, who says, 
congrats, Steph, on covering the James Madison versus UC Davis NCAA field hockey match. Did it make you want to return to the sport as a play-by-play or color commentary person? Are there any other sports you're interested in thought about doing play-by-play or color commentary for? I, when I graduated college and knew I wanted to host, there was a moment where I really thought about doing sports broadcasting because it was so integrated into my skill set. I do love sports, but it is a completely different track. I questioned that when I was there because I really enjoyed it. Like when I'm watching, the reason I don't get really competitive about teams anymore is because I get really competitive about teams. So I don't watch as many sports anymore to save myself. But when I do watch sports, I fucking love it. And I think all three of us feel that way. We get really passionate about it. There's just so much like dope shit that sports bring to the world and to people. And so when I was sitting at the table talking and I could feel myself getting better minute by minute. And then after being like, Oh, this is what I would do next time. I would, I would be an honor to do any sort of sports broadcasting in the future. Now, would I make it like my priority? No, I have other things that I want to get done first, but if it happens, that will be fucking great. And like, who knows? Cause I think it will. Like, I do think life has a weird way of putting your skill sets together and showing up at different times. So we'll see. Maybe we get the World Girls on ESPN. We do a, a Darina can do a football match. Roxy can do any Boston sports, football, basketball. But I, I've been, I've been reengaging with my San Diego Padres. I'll tell you that. I'm not a, I, there are only team left and we just got out of the world series potential today or a few days ago, depending when this is airing, which was a bummer. And it reminded me yet again, why I don't like to be super competitive about sports teams, but yeah, it would be, it would be an honor if if I could in any time in the future. Thanks for that question, Glenn. My only comment is (laughs) go. Si se puede. All right. I think that wraps up our episode. That was a fun one. Thanks for being a bitch out of water with us and listening to our weekly whirls. Uh, What did you give a whirl this week? We want to hear from you. It's always inspiring or funny or we learn something from everything that y'all do. So let us know. If you want to get all things World Girls, go to patreon.com slash the world girls. That way you can watch our podcast tapings live, ask questions, see our faces and get a bunch of great benefits while being a part of this beautiful community. We go live on youtube.com slash the world girls every Wednesday and Sunday night. And don't forget to follow us on social media on Twitter and TikTok at the world girls and on Instagram at world girls WAP. We recently started this podcast, so please tell your friends about us. Subscribe and leave a review. Those are so helpful. Five stars. And just remember, we're all going to die, so don't be a dick. And stay wet, my friends, and eat pussy. Pussy.